Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. you good have you popped your sun cream on well we had to because this week the two shot podcast went to east london uh we went to meet the fantastic kate ashfield uh, i'm sure you'll know kate from loads and loads of stuff maybe a lot of you may know her from Shaun of the dead playing simon Pegg's girlfriend but look we slapped our sun cream on popped on the tube went to east london and had a good sit down with kate ashfield um here we are it's a lovely sunny day we are in east of london we've traveled north uh, no we've not doing any north we've traveled south into london for the first time and uh we've been welcomed into the lovely home of the lovely kate ashfield how are you very good thank you uh, is this your first podcast it is my first podcast. It's yeah. all right. It's only our, our one of our first ones as well, so we're all new to it, so it's all fine. Okay. Um, now we don't really follow any sort of structure. I don't really ask the same questions, but I always want to start out by talking to people about growing up and their school life and things like that. So, whereabouts did you grow up? I grew up in Birmingham, and. Um... There's quite a few grammar schools in Birmingham. Yeah. So um, I went to grammar school for secondary school and um, uh, and then I went to drama school in London. When you were, at, when you were at, uh, say, primary school... Yeah. Was there any activities that involved drama and things like that? When did that sort of... Yeah, there was. Well, I, I remember because um, my sister's a bit older than me and um, she... She was going to the Brownies and I was too young to go to the Brownies. So my mum and dad found this little drama group I could go to instead. Was and that something that you asked for? Was that something that they thought would be good for you? I think it was just like to, to keep me busy when my sister was doing something so that they could have some time off maybe. But then I really liked it. And then there's a like the Midlands Arts Centre in Birmingham and there there's a woman there that um, that ran this, this drama group on a Saturday morning and... We absolutely loved it. We got to do... I remember doing A Midsummer Night's Dream and being Titania, Queen of the Fairies. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they cut all the speeches because we couldn't really understand all of them. How old were you then? I was probably about... About eight or something, really wow. little. But I, and I remember I had to carry on in the... In the interval, I had to carry on a blackboard that said Interval. So, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. And there was a whole group of us that did that at the Midlands Arts Centre. She's a really good resource you know and, and because they did loads of things there but um yeah so that's probably how I got into it and then I got into the stage where when people said what do you want to do when you grow up and you say I want to be an actress and they kind of go oh so then you think I've got to do it now to kind of prove that and was that it wasn't a, a silly what, idea and how, how, how it was just the one sister you've got yeah and what did what was she going into was this some, where did this come from do you think the acting thing was your parents involved in anything like that? No, not at all, no. I don't know. I mean, she is now um, a maths teacher. 
Is she? Yeah, she came to the drama groups as well. She enjoyed it, but um, but it was more just sort of a release, bit of a fun for her. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, not a career choice. No. Yeah. And then I think I just I didn't really know that you could do it properly for a living because I didn't know anyone that did it. No. So then when it got to kind of sixth form and everything, I applied to art school, drama school, and university and thought, I don't know, I'll give it a go. When you were at secondary school? Yeah. What was there for you at that point? Did you have, like, a drama class at school or Uh, was there extracurricular stuff? Extracurricular stuff, yeah. So just the the school plays and things like that. That was it, though. Which is not a lot, really, is it? Because it's like, what is it, once a year, really? yeah. Yeah, maybe twice, maybe some Christmas thing. I can't sing, though, so I couldn't do any of those kind of... If it was a musical, that was me out. That was it, you were in the (laughs) back of the chorus, on the back. Yeah. And with the Midlands Art Centre, is that what it's called, sorry? Mm -hmm. Was that something that you kept up throughout secondary school, or was it just when you were young? It was, actually. Yeah. The actor John Light, his sister Liz Light, she used to run it. Oh, did she? I didn't know that. Yeah. And, um... So, yeah, so that was really good. They Also, there was, a, I think, Central TV, which doesn't exist anymore. They had a kind of drama group. I didn't get into that, though. Um, but, yeah. So that was something that you had to audition for? The, yeah. The cent- was it the Central work, like the Workshop? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah. But I was, I was too northwest for that. Oh, OK. They wouldn't have allowed me in there. I so didn't we, know I, anyone that went there either, actually. I don't know what happened to that. And did you feel that there was anything lacking when you were growing up? Did you feel, oh, I wish I had more resources to go into? Or, or did you think the Midlands Art Centre was enough for you? Did it cater for everything what you needed at that time? Well, I always used to do plays like at an amateur theatre there called the Crescent Theatre. Um, and I used to go to... I forgot about this. I used to go to the, to the Birmingham School of Dramatic Art. What was that? There's like a there's a drama school in Birmingham. They used to do exams. You could do speeches. You could do Shakespeare speeches, and you could get grade and you could go up the grades that you could do for um, musical instruments. And um, so I used to go and do that as well. Um, so I think there were there were plenty of things to do, but in terms of actually working. I mean, theatre-wise, I think there was more, but, but TV, film-wise, there wasn't anything at all, yeah. really. Yeah. And drama school seemed such a kind of different world. And how was school for you? In what way? Did you enjoy it? Did I enjoy it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think as much as you do enjoy school, yeah. I had great friends there, who I still see now. Um... Yeah. Didn't know what else to say about that. <laughs> and so you left school, uh, and what was the obvious choice? So you applied for you applied for art school. So it wasn't sort of you were dead set on acting. There was something to do with the art scene. Yeah, was well, just because I think I wasn't sure how you could do it. So. Um, so there was nobody sort of helping you and supporting you in that respect no and I remember going to a careers advisor at school and you know they'd ask you a load of questions and she said I think you could either I seem to remember her saying this really seriously I think she said you could either become a clown or go into politics 
because those are my areas of interest. I don't know why she said that anyway, but um, so I did, yeah. So I applied for these trauma schools and and it was, it was I don't know, because it was you met all the people when you applied because everyone was auditioning together and it just seemed like such a different world to me. And even if you went, you didn't know how you would become an actor. So, um, and did you? Who was helping you when you were auditioning for drama school? Because obviously, you've got to prepare your speeches and things like that. Were you just sort of doing it off your own back? Uh, yeah, but I suppose I had done all these speeches at this Birmingham School of Speech and Dramatic Arts, so I'd done a few of those. And um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, just try, yeah. And were your parents very supportive of this, or were they signed up kind of going, well, you need to have a, something to fall back on here because... They did say that, yeah. yeah. It would be really good if you had something to fall back on. But they were very supportive. Yeah. Um, and I, they, I think they thought as well, because I've just, just finished school, oh, if it doesn't work out, you can do something else. You know, be okay. And how did you feel about that? Did you feel very positive and determined, or did you think, oh, well, maybe I should, <coughs> excuse me, have something to fall back on? Um, it made me feel the first one, made me feel really determined. Yeah. And in fact, actually, all the way through drama school, I didn't really, I didn't really enjoy drama school at all. And, um, and it didn't really fit in there. It was like, like, what, what, was that an, was that an instant thing about not enjoying drama school? Because of course, when you first sort of go down that, Route. It, I think it, I was quite intimidated because you go from because you did you go from Birmingham into London? Yeah. And whereabouts did you go? I went to Rosebury for right. drama school, in Sidcup and Deptford. Anyway, um, that's another story. But uh, no, no, no. Let's. So, I mean, if you don't want to talk about <laughs> no, it, no. Fine. I just mean they just kind of. It wasn't London. Like I wasn't. I was excited about moving to London, but we were in Sidcup to start with, and that's in Kent, and it's quite a different place. And um, uh. And then the others, they had two sites at drama school and the other sites in Deptford, which was really rough when we were there. And, um, um, I mean, did you have certain expectations of what it was going to be like and they didn't meet that or? Well, I think I just found it all quite embarrassing. And what the actual, actual lessons and doing the things. And, um, I thought it'd be more acting. So then when you had to do a movement class or voice classes or, like lie on the floor and feel your sacrum and all these kind of things. I was just mortified, you know, and and didn't really get on with that at all. And and did you have anybody that was a bit of a kindred spirit there that was feeling the same as you, or were they all sort of throwing themselves into it? They were a bit. They were yeah, and I think they thought I was a bit stupid because I should have just got on with it, but I just just couldn't get past that embarrassment really. And and then I think. They liked other people at that drama school, and so you know, you know the way they give, they do plays, and they give people different parts. And so I never really got any big parts because, yeah, I don't think they saw me doing it. And didn't none of the tutors sort of pull you aside and go, "Look, is everything all right?" Because they would have seen that you were quite tense and not enjoying certain stuff. Yeah, maybe they thought it was more rebellious than it was meant to be. Maybe they thought I was kind of sitting there, like kind of deciding I didn't like it or something like that, which it wasn't really. But did you feel it was coming across as rebellious? Uh, no, I do remember one teacher, she did think I was not joining in. Um, but I didn't really, yeah. But then at the end of the second year there, the guy that ran the college asked to speak to me and said, 
He said, I think your voice would grate on an audience's ears if they had to listen to it for too long. No yeah. way. So he said, I want you to go home and think about whether you should come back next year. And what year was this? Was this in the first year? That, that was the second year, the end second of the second year. year. So then I went home and was really upset. I was like, oh, my God, do you think I can ever do this? It's ridiculous. And I thought, I'll just go back. Cause I, I talked to my mum about it. She's like, just finish the year because then you've got your qualification. You could then do another qualification if you don't want to do that. And... um and then I went back and he said, um, then they were casting the new parts and he said, what what part would you like to get in these plays this term? And I was really surprised. I said, I didn't think I had a choice. He said, why not? I said, because what you said to me at the end of last term. And he went, what did I say? No, he didn't. Yeah. So, he... So, then, so I told him what he said and then he said, oh, yeah, I was just testing to see if you'd leave or not. I said, were you? And he kind of like, shrugs and you think... So there's these kind of like them trying to see how strong you are, how yeah. good at rejection you'll be. But when you're kind of just like 19 or whatever, you just don't know how that all works, you know, you take it really personally. But anyway, so then they did give me a, a, a chance in the third year to do a play. But then, yeah, anyway, so it was all a kind of really different experience to school and straightforward you know, learning. Yeah. Yeah. And throughout that three years, apart from that instant, did you ever think... Oh, I don't know if really this is for me. I don't know if this is the path I should be going down. If you... Yeah, I think so, because what I'd really enjoyed it before I went to drama school. I just kind of really enjoyed doing plays and thought it was really good fun. And then it became really, you became really sort of self-aware of how you stand, how you speak. And it kind of felt really almost like it wasn't as much fun anymore. So the big, is it because the stakes got higher in that situation? Yeah. The fun was lost. Yeah, and I suppose it became... It's like if you drew a picture and people are going, oh, your pictures are really great, and then someone starts really analysing what you've done here and there. It could still have been really great before, but then you start trying to perfect things and, and be a w- much more aware of yourself and you become really self-critical. And, um, yeah, don't think, I don't think that's... I think that's kind of a bit of a problem with, with dramas because it was back then. Because I think after that, people... Uh, people were encouraged to be themselves a bit more. But then it was all about RP and being this neutral kind of vessel that could then put any character on top of that. And so that was a bit... Did you have that? Yeah, I did. And I I felt I was quite rebellious about that because I'm always very proud of my northern roots, even though I had a much stronger northern accent when I started, obviously. Yeah. Having been doing this for 20 years now, it, your voice and your accent does kind of change. Because I, I remember when we first met, I never knew that you were from Birmingham. Right. And I think there was only certain times when you slipped into a little bit of that Birmingham accent coming through. Yeah. When did you lose that? Did you have a heavy accent when you started? I didn't have a heavy accent, but I had an ac- accent. And I remember I, was qu- I also mumbled quite a lot because I was quite shy. And um, I remember the voice teacher making me put a cork in my mouth Yeah. in the class and speaking with a cork. Did you have to do that? I had to do that. <laughs> but also, I used to walk like this. This is no good for a podcast, but I used to sort of walk with... That's exactly what I did. Yeah. And I had... I actually had a, a, one of the drama uh, teachers there said, um, one day I stood up straight and he said... <gasps> I actually thought you were deformed, Kate. <laughs> because I was hunched over, embarrassed all the time. 
yeah. for those who can't see a podcast, <laughs> what I was doing then, I was just walking around with my shoulders around slouching yeah. uh, because of my height, because I'm six foot four. That's what I was trying to demonstrate. Not great for a podcast. Take note. <laughs> um, and did you get a grant? Did I you... did get a grant, yeah. That was the reason I went to Rose Bruford. Uh, Is it because it was a degree course? Yeah. And it was the first one that was a degree course, I think. Yeah, I think it was. I think yeah. you're right, yeah. So what year was that? Where are we? 1990. Right, yeah. so it was... Uh, yeah, that was... Is that right? Yeah, it should be, because that was about three years before I went. And then the grants, there was sort of... More, we, more came in, didn't they? Yeah, more oh, came more. in and then less came out for certain areas where yeah. I was. Because aside trouble. from that, I think at the time, Birmingham City Council gave two grants a year to people. So then not only do you have to get into drama school, then you have to audition for these grants. Yeah. Yeah. And get, gather all the letters up, which, yeah. of course, those days are gone now. Yeah. So when, when you decided to go back and that, was he the head teacher? Was the head of year that guy that's said... the principal of the college? Oh, he was the principal. Yeah, yeah. Vladimir just... Miradan, it's called. Great name. Yeah, yeah. And he said, and you said, um, I didn't realise I had an option for to choose a part. Yeah. What, what went on from there? Uh, did you did you feel a shift? Did you feel? Oh right, so I did you? I suppose what I'm trying to say is, did you kind of work out? that this was all starting to be a bit of a game? Well, I think it, it it toughened me up a bit because it made me go, right, you just got to not, not pay attention to those things. And actually then when you do start auditioning and working, that's that's you have to do that all the time, don't you? You have to go up for a job and then forget about it, even if you want it, and move on to the next one. And so, um, so I think... I think it was good in that regard. I I kind of don't think it was a great teaching thing because I think it's better to encourage people. And you certainly saw that with different uh, people at drama school. If you did a, a lesson with someone, they were really critical. Everyone would be really nervous about their classes and not know how to do it. And yeah. And then if you saw if you had a teacher that was really encouraging and that was brilliant, I do it again and do this. Everyone was so eager to please and wanted to do everything for them. And you know, I think that's kind of basic psychology, though, isn't it? But um. But yeah, I mean, it did. It did make you go, oh well. I'm going to show them. I'm going to because they. I think they did doubt me. I did think. I did think they did think. Oh, you know, I was quite young in the year, and and there were other people that were did really good and that they thought would just do really, really well. So I think it, it did made me a bit more determined. Because I suppose at that age, I mean, that kind of really never stops. But you you're still working out who you are as a person That's and you've true. got that to deal with as well this new life of making it yourself in this new environment of yeah. training do you think in hindsight do you feel you were too young um potentially because i actually do remember him saying as well in that chat i want you to go home and lie under the duvet covers and ask yourself who you are and why you're here. And uh, I didn't really get it at the time. And um, Did you do that? Not literally. <laughs> <laughs> so you go back, yeah, so I went under the duvet <laughs> covers. Like, who um, am I? <laughs> um, no, but I, mean, I did think about it. 
But I also think, like, it's such a young person's industry that, that so that's quite difficult to answer, isn't it? Because you think, unless you don't go to drama school, which is another option. Yeah. Um, which is happening more and more now because, yeah. you know, who can afford it? Yeah, exactly. And it's not necessarily preparing you for the industry in the same way that just getting a job would if you could get a job. You yeah. Know? It's just about facilitating those kind of contacts and getting an agent and... Because, of course, at drama school, you're thr- everything's thrown at you in the kitchen sink and it's whether you need to use that for certain jobs at a certain time. You're still pulling things out yeah. years on, aren't you? Oh, well, I never thought I'd need to use that. And also it depends on who you get to work with, doesn't it? Yeah. As a professional, you know, because you can work with some great directors that then give you a whole other load of things to think yeah. about. Well, that's the, I've said this before, but that is... I mean, there's loads of negatives, but there's loads of positives about this industry. You do... You never stop learning from people. That's true. Whether it's other actors or other directors, and if they give you something, it, it is a little piece of gold. It is kind of amazing. Yeah. And all kinds of different people, different ages and different walks of life and and and, diff- and completely different attitudes towards how you do it as well. Yeah. Yeah. In that third year then, when you went back, you said you were more determined, so you were definitely going to see that year out. Yeah. Did you feel stronger in yourself? Um, I think I did, and I think I did when... When they asked me what job I want, what what not what job, what part I wanted to play, yeah, and um, so I was all excited. Then I thought this is great, and then after that, did you get the part that you said you wanted? Yeah, I asked to do this play because um, my friends were all going to be in it, and I thought that would be really good. Shake as it was, anyway, and then and then the final shows came up that were going. The agents were going to come and watch, yeah, and in and I was cast as. In Macbeth, I was cast as Banquo's son. Right. And <laughs> I don't remember that part very well, but I just remember thinking, like, my heart singing, thinking, oh, no. And I was living with a girl who really wanted to play Lady Macbeth, but she'd been cast as Juliet, and she was really upset, and she was saying, you don't understand, Kate. I played Juliet before I wanted to play Lady Macbeth. I was going, well, I'll swap, if you like. You can play Banquo's son. <laughs> but, so it just didn't, it just was a kind of really erratic kind of, it didn't. It wasn't like they had. A, they had a game plan, and they were going straight through and going. Well, we'll see if what she's made of, and then we'll let her go. Or it, it didn't feel like that. It felt a bit more random. But maybe there. Maybe that was true. But it didn't feel like that. And years later, actually, um, I was working with um, Max Stafford Clark, and he had to go to Rose Bruford to do some kind of talk. And he said, um, "I will ask about you, and I'll and I'll see what they have to say." And um, I said, "Oh, I'd be very interested to know what they had to say." And the next day, he came back and went. Well, mixed reports said so. Somebody said that they always knew you'd do very well and that they were very pleased that you had. I was like, oh, great. And somebody else said that they just really couldn't understand and they'd never really seen it in you. And I said, okay, so who who said that they couldn't really understand? And said, the head of drama. Right, I went, and who said they always thought I do really well? That was the secretary. So <laughs> 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 you never know. But one thing that kept us going at drama school was there was um, a filing cabinet in one of the rooms, and it had old reports from from different pupils. Of course, it'd all be on computers now, whatever. But anyway, so and we got into this filing cabinet, 
and we found Gary Oldman's report in there, who's like probably one of the most famous people who have gone to Rose Bruford. And, um, and it said in his report, Gary is talentless. No, it yes. didn't. So I think I seem to remember we all took photocopies and had it pinned to the fridge. Like, yeah, well, that's what they thought, so they got it wrong. That um, is brilliant. It is, isn't it? Yeah. He's definitely not talentless. No, he's definitely <laughs> no. not. God, do you feel yeah. any sort of... Because I know a lot of people that did, didn't have the greatest time at drama school. Do you feel any... I think was, some people thrived on it. Some people yeah, really no, enjoyed you it. you can see that, yeah. Yeah. Do you I, feel any resentment towards that now? or Not now, no. But did you? Did you hold anything for a while? Uh, or, re- or disappointment? Yeah, and I think, I think you're just so grateful when you're 18 to get in. Yeah. And you're not really looking at what would be a good fit for you necessarily. You know, you just kind of want to get on with it, don't you? That, but potentially it wasn't the best for me. But then then you can't complain when you get work afterwards because then you go, oh, it drove me to do that. And maybe yeah. if I'd have just been having a great time and playing all the parts I wanted to play, you know, I wouldn't have been as determined. I don't know. And What do you think about that? Do you ask yourself that? I try and not regret yeah. anything. It's probably, yeah. It's but probably... I, I, I remember for a while I thought... I was too young to go. Yeah. But as soon as I hit 17 and I was coming up to 18, it's the only thing I wanted to do is to get out of Blackpool and get straight to London and yeah. start trying to learn. I couldn't wait for anything. You know, but I didn't really have anybody to go actually put the brakes on it. Just give yourself a couple of years and then... But then if you had, do you think you would have done it? Probably not, no, because at that is the arrogance of youth, isn't it? Yeah. Um... Did you find a lot of people... Did anybody drop out while you were at drama school? Yeah, and they threw people out. Yeah. Yeah. But then I think maybe even if... University, maybe people think they're a bit young. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it's, maybe it's different for dramas, drama school because you're questioning yourself more, aren't you? So you're, it's much more looking inward in some ways. Yeah. Which is quite difficult, I think, when you're that young. And like you say, you probably haven't really got a very strong sense of self. No. Especially as a, a as a male, because they take a lot longer to grow up. I think. Oh, okay. I yeah. know who they are. Well, I, <laughs> I certainly did. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So when you graduated, was it? Did you go straight into work, or did you feel? Yeah. So well, then I got really lucky because I wrote all these letters to um, casting directors and um, agents, and. Um, and I remember doing it, sitting in the library at drama school doing it, and then this friend of mine came in and said, I have you written to Lucy Bolting, who's casting director, because he'd met her. And I hadn't, and I'd just finished my 100 letters. And I was like, oh, well, come on, I'll write one more. So this one to Lucy Bolting, and she was the only person that replied. Really? Yeah. I think they must have, all the other ones must have just got shredded. And, uh, and she said, oh, I'm casting this film, come and audition for it. And... Um, and so I went back and I went back again and again. I had about three or four recalls for that and then I ended up getting the part in that film. And then she helped me get in an agent. I remember just kind of shaking in office, being really, really nervous. And she said, have you got an agent? I said, no, no. like that was going to mean that I couldn't get the job. And she was like, well, we'll sort it out now. And she picked up the phone and phoned a few agents. And oh, so you, di- you didn't get an agent from Banquo's son? No. No. 
I don't get picked out that way. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. And they did showcases and things, but, I, yeah, thank God I didn't have to rely on that. Yeah. It's quite scary, all that stuff, isn't it? Well, it's a very tense moment, all that. Yeah. Especially when people are getting picked up left, right and centre and you're kind of yeah, you're left well. on the shelf. Yeah. And all those kind of speeches are quite weird, you know. I remember there were, seemed to be quite a lot about miscarriages when I was there. And the, because it was all kind of proper raw drama or mm. whatever it was. You think, I don't know. Or certainly what the tutors at that time thought was Yeah, could raw, show some emotion. Kitchen or... sink drama. <laughs> That's it. Not really, is it? No. It's changed so much, though, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Do you... What are the really hard times? Uh, now? Mm. I mean, if you if you couldn't look back and still up to now. Well, I think as you get older, it just gets harder and harder to... I'm so pleased you said that, because I was talking to somebody about that, going... Because I just, you know, just hit 40 last year. Yeah. And I just think, God, it's, it's actually getting harder. Yeah. It is. It's harder, harder to not know what you're doing and to... And when you've got kids, it's less enjoyable. That When you're younger, I think it's the thought of, I could be in Russia tomorrow doing a TV job or Budapest or wherever. It's quite exciting. You just, like, up and go and brilliant. Oh, working with new people, really brilliant. But when you get older, it's more, you've got to plan things, get childcare, and, and it's more stressful. And I just think it just, it is does get harder, doesn't it? Because because I think the cumulative effect of not knowing when your next job is going to come just wears you down more and more, doesn't it? Because that used to be exciting. Yeah. And, and whereas when you've got bills to pay, mortgages, kids, you do go... It's less enjoyable. You kind of think, oh, what, what, what else could I do where I could have a regular wage? Yeah. Do you ever, Have you ever felt or had serious talks with yourself about stopping it completely and starting something else? Uh... Has it ever got to a stage where it just got too much? No, because I think... No, because you just never know. It's like one of those... It's like the lottery, isn't it? And then you also think, I'm not qualified to do anything else. And now the years have gone by, I'm less and less qualified to start any other job. But then I did start writing, so I've done that, which is great because you don't have to stop either of those things. You can do them both at the same time. Um, and where did that come from? Where did the writing come from? Was that something that was always in you, something that you always wanted to try? Or Well, it wasn't, actually, because I think because I started with all these plays where the writers are in the rehearsal room and they're really, really definite about what they've written, that I've always kind of thought, oh, wow, I couldn't do that. I really respect them for that. And, um, you know, where they give notes and go, that's a comma, not a full stop. You think they've, they've been poring over those words anyway but then this friend of mine Grant Gillespie he wrote a book called The Cookie Boy and it was published and it was a really beautiful brilliant book and and I said I th- that would make a lovely film and um well lovely is probably the wrong word it's really dark <laughs> but, anyway, <laughs> interesting so, yeah and so we he said well why don't we try and do that together so we wrote this treatment for this film and then realised no one's going to pay us to write films because we hadn't written a film before so we just went and wrote the film together and then sent it to agents and we got representation and we went out and had loads of meetings on the back of that. And then I went to live in America and so then yeah, I just started I writing talk, with I other people. I want to go back to that. Sorry. Yeah. 
Okay. Now I want to talk about going to America was... What was the reason for that? Well, there were a few reasons, but I think it was similar to what you just said. I was 40 and went, oh, fuck it. Am I allowed to swear? If you don't... Say whatever <laughs> you like. Okay. If you don't do it now, you'll never do it. And you kind of always wonder what it's like over there because it is like the Premier League, isn't it, of our industry. And and you've kind of got nothing to lose. And um, My son was eight then and... Um, so he wasn't in secondary school or anything, so it's kind of easy to go. And I thought we'd go for a shorter period of time than we ended up going for. But once you've got the visas, which is quite quite a laborious thing to do, all that kind of paperwork, and and then get out there and then rent it somewhere and bought all the furniture, however cheaply you do that, you kind of go, well, it'd be stupid just to go back now. I'd have just wasted all this money. So then, and then you spend time trying to get agents over there and... And in the end, it turned into a really positive experience because we were there for three years and um, and you get a real feeling of how it works and how so much more brutal and hardcore, I think, than it is here. In what respect? In that, if you have an audition... Um, I remember going into this audition and there were 14 Asian guys in lab coats in the waiting room. And, and it was for a, a sort of science... Uh, based 1960s drama and they said to all the girls dress accordingly and makeup and hair accordingly so you've got quite quite a lot of effort to look like you were in the 1960s and then you go in and um, you have to be completely off book as you know like to have learned everything and then they kind of go there's no small talk beforehand no what have you been up to yeah so it's just like, oh, lovely to see you. And then, are you ready? And you do the scenes. And they go, thank you so much. That was so amazing. <laughs> like, out the door five minutes later. You know, and uh, you just have to get, that's how they do it. Did you feel in that respect, it was you were a bit sort of starting all over again? Yeah. By going out there? Yeah. Yes, definitely, because they don't have any frame of reference of the work that you've done. And does that mean anything to them? Not really, No. no. And probably nor should it, you know, I guess. So by going over there, do you think you reignited uh, sort of excitement for what you were doing? Do you think you lost a little spark of it being over here? Yeah, maybe. Maybe I hadn't hadn't looked at it that way. But maybe after 20 years or whatever. um, Yeah, and I think, I mean, it was a... retrospectively it was a really good experience for me and my son because it was just just to kind of have a completely different world view and different cult be surrounded by different cultures such a different way of life um it was just really invigorating and really positive and however hard it was in terms of getting on in the business doing all that was really positive because it kind of makes you stronger again rather than just going oh it's really difficult and I haven't had a job this year and you know, anything like that, you know, you just, it gives you a much more of a positive can-do attitude and because people are so resourceful there and get on with things and if they're not acting there in something they're getting paid for, then they're trying to create their own work and and I had some friends that were making a film and they made it for so little money and they they, they made it on these, um uh, they bought, it was like a horror film that they did on CCTV. So the premise was the guy broken into a house with his family was away and he'd set up CCTV cameras all around the house and was watching them all from the attic. And um, 
this was really creepy, but really good fun. Anyway, and so they bought these cameras and they ended up, at the end of the shoot, which was only about two weeks, because you could do that stuff really quickly, they took all the cameras back to the shop, got their money back. And they, so they made it for nothing. But you can look at, they do stuff like that because there's just a kind of determination to keep going and to create stuff, which is really good. And do you feel you picked that up and then brought that resourcefulness back when you moved back to the UK? I don't know about that. I mean, I, well, I moved back because this the, the thing I'd written um, got greenlit over here, so I moved back to do that. Right, so but, you're still writing. So what? just going back to the film, you'd, you'd wrote that film... Yeah. With your friend of the book, and what did anything happen with that? We had lots of meetings, but it was quite, like I was saying, it was quite a dark subject matter. So people, they liked it, but they were worried about making it. And the lead character was a young boy. So it was kind of very loosely based on the Bulger case and about an adopted child who's born in the wrong family. So it, so it's quite a difficult subject matter. And um, so, but we did get, get lots of connections with people, and people wanted to us to write other things and come back to them. And so then we thought we'd write something really commercial, so we wrote some kind of vampire film about the birth of vampirism, which was really, really good fun, um, with Byron and Shelley and anyway. But, um, and, um, and then I went to America, and then um, I started writing with somebody else over there, with one of the mums from school over there. Right. Yeah. Over in the States? Yeah. So we just had our kids were at the same school, so we meet at the school gates, kind of thing. So we're like, well, we should write something together because we've both done it with other people. So yeah, so that's how we started that. So yeah. instead of meeting a mother for a coffee and a natter about second-hand school <laughs> uniform, you thought you'd put it to good use and start writing. Yeah. And did that work out? How did that? Yes, it did because that was a born to kill. If you are going to write with somebody, it's very particular. It's, I think it's probably very yeah. a difficult situation. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it's, um, I mean, I much prefer writing with somebody else because somehow it makes me do it. And it can be really tricky, though. Of course it can, because they have different ideas to you and everything. But and different tastes. Yeah, that's really tricky. And then how do you broach that subject if a certain bit of dialogue is written by somebody else and that's not to your taste? And <laughs> That's really that's hard. That's really yeah. hard. Yeah. And thankfully, watching with Tracy, that was, that's been... That's been really good. I mean, we both... I think I think somehow we created this world for those characters and we so knew what that was together that those things didn't happen because it was we were really sure of how they would be in that situation. So, um, so that was good. It was good to come back and do that. But in terms of uh, a resourcefulness, I think certain friends of mine just came... When I came back, were like, wow, you've really changed since you've been because you're sort of more... Uh, maybe I don't know what's the right word for it some less uh, or less of a pushover I guess about stuff so more determined or more sure about saying no I'm not don't want to do that or yes I will do this and so there was that you came back with more strength yes that's that's much easier way of putting it yeah <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah yeah which is good I think and even though this is um, it's not a podcast that we talk about um, jobs, it's not a career retrospective in any way, um, but did you work a lot in America? Uh, I did a TV show over there, and then I did a couple of horror films. Right. Yeah. So not loads, but a bit, yeah. And what were you doing, apart from the writing, what were you doing 
to, to make a living. Well, I was renting out this flat, so that pay, I mean it was cheaper to live over there. So I was paying for myself in that way, and I you know I mean yeah, and I also did have to borrow money, yeah, to keep going there. And then you get into the situation of which I know quite a lot of people there that it's a, it's a it's a gamble, you know. It's like do we put more investment in to hope that you get the big winner at the end, or what point do you kind of cash in your chips and go let's just go home. So it's quite, it's, that's quite difficult, I think, for people because it's always like the, it's all, you're nearly there and you got so much further than you had six months ago because now you've got this manager or this agent on your side and you've got recalls or whatever it is, you know, so you've, or you've, or you've had a job. So you kind of go, well, that's going to come out soon and then the next thing. And, you know, so I suppose it, it's, it can hook you in. Yeah. Yeah. It's about knowing when to leave. And yeah. why did, when, when was that realisation? When did you go, do you know what? I'm going to go back to the UK. Well, it was easier for me because I got this commission for the writing, so. Oh, right, so it was that that brought you back. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really glad it did because otherwise I think, you know, you could have just been there for, well, I'm not really, I am glad and I'm not glad because, you know, I, I think you just never know and I'd love to go back there, but... I'm glad I didn't get myself into a situation to be in too much debt, is what I mean. Right, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever done that? Have you gone out there? No. Would you like to? I don't know. I think... It's, I think it was a very... I remember when you said you were going out and I thought, wow, that's a brave... That's a really brave thing to do, especially with a, a child and all that. But I've always said... I suppose what I'm saying is I think you're much stronger than what I would be. I would, I would find, I would find it quite scary to sort of put that twenty years of what I've done to one was, side yeah. and go in. Well, there's probably something quite cleansing about that. Well, as well it at is, the same and also time. sometimes, well, especially when you've been here, and then you start to feel like we were talking about earlier, where it gets harder and harder. Yeah. So either way, I think you win because either you go there and go, oh no, they know who I am back at home or whatever the equivalent of that. Like at least I've got some kind of CV that they recognise or whatever. Then you come back and feel rejuvenated to be back here, or you or you know something takes off over there. Maybe you do need to throw away your safety blanket at some point. Yeah, and just dive in. Well, then, although then then you meet people out there that have got they've just got into a show over here that's done really well, like Game of Thrones or Downton Abbey that you wouldn't expect necessarily to have been so successful. Yeah. And then they can go out there and it's so much easier. But... It's funny, it's a question that I've always said, if I'm always busy here, then I wouldn't... I wouldn't go over there. No. Just because a lot of people were doing it. No. But, you know, we're, I'm heading into leaner times, so maybe I will pop over. Who knows? I don't know. No. Do you know you're the first person that I've had a chat to that has asked me questions... Oh, really? Have you noticed that? Producer Griff is nodding his head. <laughs> he tends not to speak. Yeah, that's quite interesting because it's nice to have a, a dialogue. Yeah. Even though we do. Um, so you came back and did you dive straight into the commission? Or did you? Yes. F- yeah. Yeah. And was that fulfilling you? Uh, creative? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh yeah, because I think as an actor, you're always on, you're waiting to see what comes your way. You're not in, in, I mean, unless you're really, really successful. And even then you're getting scripts and you don't know what's going to be. So to actually 
create the script is really, really exciting. But then you realise, oh, it's not just us two in a room creating the script. We've got to please the production company, we've got to please the channel, and everyone's got their notes and... Um, but, you know, yeah, ultimately, really satisfying thing to do. And did you feel you were regaining some sense of control? Because the lack of control is kind of a running theme for a lot of actors because, you know, yeah. the, the one thing that we have the power to do is to say no. Yeah. And then so, somebody else is going to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Uh, so it's not a great power, is it, really? No. No. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, it, it is good to... And it is good to be in full-time employment, in a way, to be... It was like a whole different life, to be sitting... I, I Skype, right, because Tracy lives in in Sussex, so um, to be sitting... You know, some, my son goes off to school and then sit at the... Uh, my desk and write all day and, and have deadlines to meet and things. Suddenly a whole different lifestyle. You think, oh, this is great being in an office. <laughs> all exciting. Um, and I love that. But um, but ultimately, you know, it'd be nice to do both. It's funny, I was with a couple of friends the other day and they both act and write. And one of them was going, I can't wait to get do some acting now. I've just been writing for too long. And I think it's, they're very different things. The other one was going, I miss both. You know, and I, you know, yeah, I wouldn't know which one I'd miss the most. And do you think you could balance the both? Yeah, I think you could, yeah. Yeah, ideally. I mean, you personally. Yeah, I mean, I think it's tricky because writing something like that, and that was four parts, that was a, that took me out really for a whole year because you can't, unless you had a... A, a day's work here and there. You can't really spend the time on a TV show, even if you want to. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, so then you've got to kind of get back out there again, haven't you? Afterwards, so it gets more difficult, I think. To you know, it's, you know, you're lucky if you can balance it. Well, I'm sure you will. I'll try. <laughs> Kate, thanks so much. That was brilliant. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> How brilliant was that? Um, the great thing of what I'm finding about all these chats that we're doing is the honesty of people. For someone like Kate to say, do you know what? I didn't really feel like I fitted in at drama school. Um, is incredible because so many people are going to be able to relate to that. But look, I really hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thanks to Kate for coming on. She's just brilliant. Uh, speaking of other brilliant people, that's you. Why? Because you subscribed. And if you didn't, then please do. It'll be fantastic. Tell your friends. Uh, you can rate us on iTunes. Uh, five stars, please. Thank you. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Two Shot Pod. It's the same for Instagram at Two Shot Pod. Find us on Facebook, the Two Shot Podcast. You can follow me at C Parks nineteen seventy six on Twitter. You can drop us an email. What is the email address? I always forget it. Producer Griff, help me. Two Shot Pod at Two... Gmail dot com. Two Shot Pod at Gmail com. I've got to get that tattooed onto my arm I can't forget right www.spliceinblock.com what is it 
What is it, Craig? Go check it out. That's what I say. Um, please subscribe. Tune in next week. Uh, very exciting one next week. I can't tell you what it is. I can't tell you what it is. Why? I don't know yet. See you later. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. <laughs>